Hey, folks, I know there are lots of business owners who listen to this show. Maybe some of you never planned on running a business, but now here you are. One thing you've always got to keep in mind is how much you're spending on your operating costs. That's one of the first things we had to keep in mind with WTF. And with things costing more today than they did when we started, you want to keep your expenses down. To reduce costs and headaches, be smart and use NetSuite by Oracle, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. Reduce IT costs, cut the costs of maintaining multiple systems, improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash WTF for more. That's netsuite, N-E-T-S-U-I-T-E dot com slash WTF. Lock the gate! All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fucking ears? What the fucking Americans? Yay, 4th of July. This is it. This is it. I hope you uh, could afford to park some uh, tanks around your house this year. That seems to be the thing to do. Not quite a parade, but, you know, just park a few tanks around or if you've got a truck or a, a, a Humvee, you know, just something that looks you know slightly uh, militaristic or 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 you know daunting, intimidating, uh, spectacular in the kind of armament type of way. Don't 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 be afraid to put it out in the yard this year because that's uh, that seems to be the theme established by the uh, the man in the house. And uh, yeah, just park them. Can't you know you can't drive them around because they'll just destroy the streets. But you can have them towed in. And just left around, kind of like a half-assed military trade show of some sort. And uh, yeah, you could do that. How are you, by the way? Uh, Jamie Lee, the comedian, is on the show today. And uh, she's got a couple books out. She's got a podcast called Couldn't Help But Wonder, which is available wherever you get podcasts. But it's the 4th of July. I don't know. I... I don't know what I'm going to do. I do know I'm going to I'm going to be away. I, you know, this is my I don't know. It's my second Fourth of July in the new place, and I've, I kind of uh, am a little nostalgic for the uh, for the ongoing firework activity in my old neighborhood. It's it's always kind of jarring, exciting because back in Highland Park, the Fourth of July you know, officially starts in mid June, uh, but kind of goes on year round and then picks up intensity today. And uh, I, I miss the excitement. I there was one year. On the 4th of July, I don't know if it was 4th of July or New Year's, where uh, a bullet um, fell out of the sky and uh, shattered my back windshield. It wasn't shot into the windshield. It was literally a celebratory bullet that was shot into the sky. you just excited. Uh, you know, there were those days where you just got to shoot shit off. And it fell out of the sky into my car and broke my windshield. Could have fallen into a head. You know, and you wouldn't know where it comes from. The bullets do come down, fellas, I'm assuming. I, you know, I'm sorry. I don't want to be uh, uh, discriminatory or gender specific. People with the guns who get excited and shoot them up into the sky because it's that day. I know you're out at the lake. I get it. But what are you going to do today, folks? What are you going to do on the 4th of July? I hope you have a safe 4th of July. I think I have um, a confession to make. 
I'll I'll decide if I'm going to get to it because uh, it's it's a little I'm a, it's a little heavy hearted about it. Um, you have options today. You can reflect on uh, on what uh, America and and America's independence and freedom means to you, and you know what what we have to do in the future to guarantee that, or or just uh, you know be grateful for it, uh, or or be angry about the nature of it at this point in time. I got a few emails I, I need to address, but I'm not going to read them entirely. Just to address the one who seemed to have a tremendous amount of uh, heavy-heartedness about the possibility of me losing hope. Uh, I'm not losing hope. I, I, I'm filled with hope, but I'm also filled with objective, sort of uh, practical and uh, you know gut insi- insight about what's happening in the world. But I'm not losing hope. I have a, I have a tremendous love of uh of people despite what you think and uh and i believe in the good in people and i believe that the and i believe in the power of the people and all that not losing hope so don't worry you know some days are better than others but i'm not losing hope the other one was sort of a along those lines it was a canadian fan who 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 tended to to sense that occasionally there was a a, a heaviness on the edge of my tone that uh you know he was a, a depressive guy and you know i know that sensitivity i you know i have it with my father or my brother where you yeah, right when someone says, uh, if, if you have the sensitivity, if someone says, hey, how you doing? And you, you can hear it. You're like, hey, how you doing? You know, just a little, there's a little tug to it. There's a little tug to, to all the sentences, even if they're talking about good things or mundane things or food or whatever. There's just a little bit of a, uh, a tug. And if you feel that tug, it's, a, it's, it's an empathetic tug in a way, but it's also just the, uh, the, the part of the heart that uh, that gets sucked in immediately to someone else's pain if you were brought up in that way. So I I cannot say that I don't have that sometimes, but it's not uh, it's not biological. It's it's fleeting. It usually might be happening for a reason uh, that I I don't feel like talking about. But uh, I'm not living in it, and I appreciate your concern. I, I I understand. I understand you feel the tug. I get it. So today. You all right? Where are you at? Where are you at? You in the backyard? You out by the lake? Are you cooking a pie? Are you uh, by yourself just uh, shunning the noise outdoors? Are you not going to go around and drive on the roads because of crazy drunk people possibilities? Yeah, this, maybe maybe just a short list of things you should, uh, you know, look, you know, if you be careful at the grill, all right, you know, maybe the coals are lit, all right? Don't you have to spray more fluid on it, even though that's fun. Well, you know what? Go ahead and do it. It's the Fourth of July. Just stand back a little bit. It, it is exciting, and it's a it's a powerful feeling to just watch the the fire go up. But you know, be careful with it because you don't want your meat or fish or vegetables or whatever your your toe your tofu dogs uh, tasting like lighter fluid. So try to have more fun with the other things that are meant to blow up on today than the coals that you you know are probably still lit. Uh, yeah, and in, in grilling, you know, don't burn yourself, don't burn the meat. If a, if a piece falls into the into the coals, you know, you might want to get it out because it's, it's not a great smell, and people are going to assume that you're burning everything. But enjoy the sausages, enjoy the burgers, enjoy the turkey, enjoy the grilled onion. Grilled onion is nice today. And, you know, figure out how you're going to do the fish. Make sure it's a tight-fleshed fish that can hold up on the grill, or else maybe put it in a little foil, wrap it up with maybe some onion or, or peppers in there and do it like that the salmon yeah i'm just trying to help out some other pointers if you're out at the lake uh make sure that the water is deep enough 
okay? We don't want any spinal injuries or uh, people not surfacing. So before you just go jump off because the guy who lives by the lake did it, make sure you understand what you're getting into so you don't break your bones. Uh, Also, maybe a little heads up that uh, fuses in general. Fuses are unpredictable. Uh, This applies to both humans and to that thing you're holding in your hand that you're about to light. Don't know how quick that thing's going to go. It can surprise you. All of a sudden, you just you touch it to the flame. It's like, and, and all of a sudden, you're you're missing a pinky. So you, you know, make be aware of the fuse. Maybe as my dad used to say, you know, you put the firecracker down, you light it, and you step back. But who can resist? You know, lighting that firecracker in your hand and winging it. Yeah, I mean, you gotta wing a few firecrackers. You know what I mean? If you just if you went out of your way to get a brick of black cats. You know, you you know, you got a lot. You can throw quite a few of them. Or, that's the thing. Be careful with the bricks. If you're going to light a brick of black cats, you know, not only is that fuse unpredictable, but man, it's pretty exciting because it's like you know they're all going to go, but they're also flying around. Like sometimes one of them will pop and it'll send a couple ones you know out into the ether somewhere, right? Maybe on your shoe, and that's lit too. And you don't see it because it's flying, and and then there you go. Then you're missing a toe. Not with a black cat, but it'll be jarring. For those of you who went out and pursued the uh, sort of uh, slightly illegal, more dangerous explosives, M80s or the bigger, uh, don't 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 light your dynamite too close to where everyone's eating. You know, if you're dealing with sticks of dynamite or small vials of nitroglycerin, you know, make sure you got plenty of distance from uh, uh, you and the family or the boat or whatever. Don't blow up the boat. Don't blow up your family if you're if you're playing with dynamite. I think that's probably. Not many of my listeners, but there's got to be a couple out there. And you know what? Don't uh, you know? Don't blow up uh, the animals. How about just no, uh, no hate-based fun uh, this Fourth of July? And if you're shooting guns into the air, make sure the, the you know the the bullets. You know, there's an arc to where they're going to go, and it's not on my car. Okay, how's that? That leads me to my confession. You know, there there was always bad kids that, you know, or mythological kids you heard who blew up frogs or blew up cats or with M80s, just horrible, horrible stories. And, um, well, I, I, you know, in a more demonic moment, just because, you know, I, I felt, you know, you know, pulled in by the devil, uh, I tried to blow up a frog uh, when I was a kid with a, with a firecracker. Cr- and uh, it, it it wasn't close enough to the frog. But I think I did. I think I, I blew, up, blew off a couple of his uh, little fingers, his little web fingers. But but I'm happy to report that that frog continued to live in my backyard for a few years. And we called him Stubby. And uh, and I apologized to him, you know, personally. And now I'm apologizing to you. And I just want to tell kids that uh, if you are compelled to blow up animals or bugs or lizards, um, you, you know, make sure you're a psychopath and not somebody with a with a conscience who's just doing it out of, you know, internal peer pressure because you got to live with that. You're going to have to live with it for the rest of your life. You know, Stubby, he ended up okay. He was okay, but uh, I knew I'd done something horrible. And it is horrible. Don't blow up the animals. But enjoy, you know, enjoy. God bless America. And, uh, you know, be careful out there. I'm going to keep it easy. I'm going to keep it light. Um, and, I, you know, it, it is a, a holiday show. I just want you to know, just be safe. Be reflective. Uh, understand that there's hope, that America is a great country, and it could be better. You know who I'm talking to, don't you? Yeah, you do. Don't blow up any people this weekend.
or today. Be careful at the grill. Don't dive in too shallow waters. Am I, I'm sorry. Am I being parental? Please don't blow up any animals. Keep your fingers. Be careful with the guns. Don't drink and drive. All right? God bless America. So my guest today is Jamie Lee. She has a podcast called uh, Couldn't Help But Wonder. It's available wherever you get podcasts. She's uh, also a stand-up and has written a couple books, wedding-related, I believe. And uh, we talked a little while ago, and now you're going to hear us do that. Okay? All right, this is me and Jamie Lee. Sometimes I wish I paid more attention in school, or in some cases, any attention at all. There are probably a lot of things I could have gotten more out of, like literature, and now it's probably not in the cards to go back to school and study the classics. But luckily for us, there's a new podcast called The Foxed Page that dives deep into the best books of all time. This is basically like the best possible college English class, but more relaxed and fun. No pressure of grade or needing to prepare something to say in class. It's only the books you want to read and know about presented by best-selling author Kimberly Ford. Everything from Cormac McCarthy to Madame Bovary, from classics like Frankenstein to modern hits like Lessons in Chemistry. I love Ireland, but I missed the boat on James Joyce. The Foxed Page has a three-part series on Dubliners, and that's a pretty great starting point. Want to get the most out of what you read? The Foxed Page is for you. Get it now wherever you you get your podcasts. So wait, you didn't hydrate? How long did you, how far did you run? Um, I never pay attention to distance. Come I on, just time? pay attention to time. Oh. Yeah. And I've gotten really into, uh, quote unquote, making the treadmill fun by focusing on 30 second increments. So every 30 seconds, I do something different. 30 second. How does that even work? 30. It's, what do you mean? It's just to sort of gamify running because running on a treadmill is so inherently boring. <laughs> yeah. That, um, to gamify? Is that yeah. A, what, is that a word? Uh, I, I think so. It definitely applies here in that. Like, if you just go, okay, I'm going to be on the treadmill for 30 minutes, mm. you'll hate it uh, yeah. and think about that. You'll just think about the time the whole time. Right. But if you're like, every 30 seconds, I have to be focusing on a, a change that's about to happen, whether yeah. it's like raising the ramp on the treadmill or like right. increasing the speed or decreasing the speed, whatever it is, just mixing it up oh, for I that see. entire 30 yeah. minutes, you don't really think about how long you've been on. I get it. Yeah. So it's helped me do cardio because otherwise I hate doing cardio. Really? Yeah. I go, I hike up a mountain right down the street. You should go hike up oh. the mountain at Bram Park. 40 minutes up. Are you like right by that mountain though, to where you like getting Couple to the mountain? See, for yeah, me, it's my like six minutes. My mountain is like a forty-five minute what? walk from Wait. my house. Oh, which mountain? Um, Gr- Griffith. Park. Oh, right. Yeah, but if I mean, I could drive there quickly. But if I wanted How to do a whole walk, how long did it take walk, you to drive here? Uh, it took me, I don't know, fifteen minutes. Hmm. So you could go here. Yeah, maybe you I should drive start coming to. Don't tell people where I live. <laughs> Maybe I'm, I should I'm, start hiking in a remote yeah. <laughs> location, I'm, I'm, undisclosed location. I've not told any. I'm not telling people. Oh, okay. They have to figure it out, but I haven't no, told them. No, we're actually live from Wisconsin There right you now. go, Wisconsin. Jamie Lee, what's your real name? It uh, Jamie Lee. Jamie Amanda Lee. Are you Jew? Yeah, on my mom's side. 
Just one? Yeah. Just one Jew? Just one Jew. Hmm. Um, but my mom my mom grew up in Teaneck, New Jersey. Yeah, I know where Teaneck, New Jersey is. Teaneck's interesting because- Where'd you grow up though? I grew up in Dallas, Texas because my dad's from Texas. Huh. Like he has lived there his entire life. Really? How did yeah. your cowboy dad meet the Jew? Um, they went to film school together in London. So my mom went to, she like dropped out of college. She went to like a small woman, women's college. Which one? Um, I think it was Like called, Sarah Lawrence no, before, before they let men small, in? Like it starts with an E. Like, oh. I don't remember. Somewhere in New Jersey. No it's kidding. A ti- Endicott. Oh, wow. Endicott College. Yeah. So she dropped out of Endicott and very dramatically, she like l- took a bus in the middle of the night and was like, I'm out. Oh. Um, yeah. And then decided she wanted to up and move to London. and Back re- in the 60s, like? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So she moved to London and then my dad also moved to London. They went to the same film school and then they actually became like photography partners and they were photographers for ZZ Top. Um, when they got what? together. Yeah. They like traveled around with ZZ Top. And then, this is what your parents did? That's what they did initially. And then when I was when born- When was that? Like what, what era of ZZ Top? Early on, before e- the beards. Yeah. I, yeah, pre-beards. <laughs> yeah. Like so when there were uh, a, a great rock band. <laughs> yeah. But wait, so they, okay, so they meet in London, they're going to film school. Yeah. And then what, they come back to- they Tex- went to Texas. My mom moved to Texas. So with your my mom dad. fell in love with your dad yeah. in London. But mm-hmm. there is this film school like photography film or motion picture film? I think it was all of it. Hmm. Not the clear. The school was called the London Film School, and oh. I don't know that it still exists. And they're both photographers? Not anymore. So they did photography for a while together, and they were with partners. ZZ Top. With ZZ Top. And they had a studio of their own? Did they do like. Other things other than ZZ Top? Not at the time. At the time, they were just traveling around taking pictures. Of ZZ Top. Of ZZ Top. For how long? I actually don't know. I just know that when when my mom got pregnant with me, or maybe right before- It might have been after a ZZ Top show? Yeah, I know. I'm like, is my dad one of the beards? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Who knows? I don't really look like my dad, Uh so maybe. Um, But uh, yeah, so then they- they moved back to Dallas and decided to be more sort of stationary. And they yeah. opened a rock club together called the Hot Club with a K. Club with a K. This is when you're a baby. Do this you is a, when I was You're the really first kid little. or the only kid? I'm the only kid. Wow. Yeah. Mm. So then from there, they sort of stayed in Dallas and then they became club owners and concert promoters. Really? Yeah. Like, they owned, um, you actually, I don't know, I feel like you're, You. who knows, maybe you went to one of their venues at some point if you ever visited Dallas. I didn't, I, Dallas is not a big stop for me. Okay. Houston a couple times, okay. Austin, I'm going to Dallas now, but so they were, they were part of, they were part of the rock yes. scene yes. in the 80s? Yes, 80s and 90s. Really, their business really took off early 90s. Club owners. Club owners. So they were they owned these two venues. They were right next door to each other. One was called Deep Elm Live, and the other one was called The Bomb Factory. And um, Deep Elm Live was slightly smaller, so it was interesting who would play it. Because the venues weren't that different, but one was slightly smaller. So yeah. like it, it's interesting because it's like Green Day would play... Deep Elm Live, like when Dookie first came out. Right. But then, like, but Sublime or Silver Chair played the Bomb Factory. And it's like so interesting because you're like, oh, Green Day became like this massive success. And, you know, Sublime yeah. is as well. But then you're like, oh, Silver Chair was kind of like a one hit wonder over here. Yeah. What was that it's hit? Just, 
I don't even remember. I remember the song. I, I, I had I, the record. With the frog on the front. The frog, yeah. Yeah. It had the one song on it. Yeah. Oh, I don't remember what it was. I don't either. Doesn't matter. Good song ish. Yeah, it yeah. was. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I listened to it a few times. Yeah. I wish I could remember what it was. It sounded like other songs of the period. Yeah, I never got into Silver. I never got into that album, actually. I think I had the album because I got promotional copies of a lot of CDs. So I listened to everything at least once. So you're growing up there. Like, so by the time you're a teenager, your parents have these rock clubs. Yeah. And they're concert promoters. So they're also doing concerts at other venues around Dallas. So you're like, so like you probably Starplex got a lot of friends. And- who are you like, I can get us into that show. Your yeah. Teenage girl a lot of friend. users. Um, I had yeah. like my best friend, Bonnie, who's still one of my best friends. Yeah. You know, she was just kind of with me all the time, especially because when you're an only child, you oh. and she was an only child as well. You kind of latch on to each other in that sisterhood kind of way. Really? Yeah. Because like I've talked to only child, only children before. And I, I seem to every time that I talk to one, I insist that it must have been a lot of pressure not to disappoint your parents or that they were afraid that the uh, you know that they would lose you because not obviously any parent would be afraid of losing a child but for some reason if there's only one it seems like the fear would be more intense but no one has agreed with me it's complete speculation and every only child has said no i didn't feel that at all i feel that now now yeah like when i'm with my parents my mom yeah. gets so sad when i leave like if i go home and uh-huh. then- well, now like, you're married. There aren't they, aren't, is there pressure? They're like, where, where are the babies? Yeah, yes, but they they know they know that I feel the pressure, so I think they've kind of eased up. Like they uh-huh. don't they don't vocalize it a lot. But yeah, being an only child, yeah, you definitely bond with your friends really hard, and they're over at your house all the time. Oh yeah, because I think that you. I think the big thing for me, being an only child, the biggest characteristic is like. Like, I really like my space, but I'm also really lonely. Yeah. So it's like this constant push-pull. So it's like, uh, like everybody out, but also yeah. like, I miss you. Like, right. it's just, I don't know where that stems from you exactly. You still have that? <clears throat> yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. So you're like a ne- I'm like hyper-independent, but also I'm hyper-independent <laughs> and I love not having plans. Yeah. But then I'm like, oh, I don't have plans. Like, I have like constant FOMO but then once I'm out I'm like I want to be home like oh, really? it's just up down up down yeah anything that's only childness I just attribute it to that because really? you're so used to having your own space How, as a kid do you have other problems <laughs> like that <laughs> how does that manifest itself in other parts of your life it sounds like well, it sounds a little kooky. Yeah, I mean, it sounds it sounds like really erratic, but it's it's all internal. I'm not like acting on all of it. Oh, I just I, just I I I deal it's with going it. Going on inside. Of oh you. yeah, it's happening within. But I'm not, I'm not. Uh. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah, uh, I'm not. I'm not like tending to all of my whims. I just sense them and then try to quiet them. So now, was like like uh, your your parents, the rock club owners, like yeah. were they partiers? Was there a party thing in the eighties? Well, like did things? Did, was there trouble? Yeah. So it's interesting because um, I always like kind of wanted to write about this or do something with this. But basically, my parents were to me the most. They were just like the the best, most flawless people in yeah. so many ways. In that. Like, they really didn't drink ever. Hmm. Like, even when we were on vacation, it was, like, a little bit of wine. Not in a self-righteous way. Right. Or, like, a they preachy way. Right. They just were, like, not substance people. Right. And they also were very, like, anti-tattoo and, like, all these things that you would assume, like, rock club parents would be like, yeah, everyone gets tattoos. Go get were, one. Were they kind of hippie people? Or? They were They were what kind of- What are they, of, my age? How? <laughs> yeah, no, they're older. Um, 
they uh they they were very they were very trusting of me like they um but they also were like really strict with curfew and stuff like that so they were kind of these like model parents and then there was the underbelly that I kind of learned about later in my life oh. which was when I was 14 I found out that my dad had been doing some things some up the nose powder things uh dad was for, doing the blow yeah for like years but mm. he was so functional and he took me to school every day and well, like you're up right and but that's... the reason i mean that's true but also you know what i mean like in the 90s yeah like especially as a kid like this is when like pulp fiction came out like you associate cocaine with death like there's no now it's like okay there are people who like dabble in it or like you know they've tried I don't, it personally and they, i mean I, I, I don't either i associate it with a kind of good time for a couple right. hours but and then in, a lot when of, you're a kid and yeah. you hear drugs oh, especially right. when you're pushed these like anti-drug campaigns yeah, yeah. at school and you find out your dad's doing it even if he has a grasp on it yeah you just are like oh my god that's We're the in most trouble yeah devastating secret my family How'd could you ever find out have. about that um one morning i woke up it was a saturday morning and, and i up. <laughs> no, no uh, yes, he was up, but I I wanted to have a garage sale, yeah. and I wanted to go put signs up around the neighborhood. So I went into his bedroom at like seven a.m. and mm. I was like, "Wake up, we got to go do this." And he was like twitching his neck, like jerking, like he had like a spasm, like j- literally just like couldn't hold his neck yeah. straight. Um, yeah, so his head kept jerking back and forth, and I was like, "Mom, what's wrong with Dad?" And she got very dramatic because clearly this was like their deal breaker. That they had, they were like, I, I now know. But was like, he awake when this was happening? Yes. Oh. And he was walking down the hall, like putting his shoes on, twitching, getting his keys, twitching. Weird. And I told my mom, I was like, well, why? he can't drive twitching. What's wrong with him? Yeah. She's like, you want to know what's wrong? Your father does drugs. And it was such an intense, I wish she had said, all right, the reason it's happening is because this, mm. this, and this. Let's talk to you. Let's yeah. like try to explain it to you mm-hmm. in a calm way. But it was so... The way she said it was like, our family is ending. You know, it just had this intensity that, yeah, that I think that if she had said it more calmly, I probably wouldn't have had the reaction I did. But I was like, oh my God, this is like this horrible thing uh. that I'm learning. And, I, you know, I was duped for so long. I had no idea that you guys would ever do such a thing. Like, it was just so dramatic. You? 14. And did it end the family? Kind of. I mean, they they're still married, but my dad was kicked out of the house, and then when he was let back in, yeah, um, he was sort of relegated to a smaller bedroom down the hall, and he sle- sleeps in a twin bed. No shit. Yeah. Still. It's, yeah, it's really depressing. Still? Yeah, and my mom uses his side of the garage as storage now, so he parks in the driveway while she gets the garage. So. Wait, so this is twenty years later? Yes, and it's still going yeah. on. Yeah. Uh huh. And when I bring it up, my mom will be like. She's like, well, you know, it's just we always were arguing and stuff because of the business. Because, like, they did have this business together. And I do think yeah. working together has its own set of issues regardless. Do, is it, is, do they still have the business? No. The oh. business ended um, maybe 10, 12 years ago now. And you went to a lot of concerts, though? A lot of concerts. Really? Yeah. I went to a lot. And uh, my dad... Good he, seats, too, right? Yeah, although most of them were like rock club standing room oh, situations. Oh, but I thought they promoted bigger shows. They, they did. They did. Oh. I went to those also, but I the ones that I really like cherished were kind of smaller and grittier. So, uh, like, well, who'd you see that made the big impact? The best show I ever best saw. Best show you ever saw. Rancid at this place called Trees, hmm. which is a small club that actually has a tree growing up the middle. I think I've heard of this. Where is it? In Dallas? In Debellum, yeah, in Dallas. I've been there. 
It's a cool club. And they closed down for a while and then they reopened. I heard, because I remember that element of it. Yeah. Could I have done a comedy show there? Possibly. It'd be great for comedy. I think I might have done a comedy show there. Yeah, it's like small, but then they have a balcony. You'd think I remember if there's a fucking tree in there. It's actually a subtle tree. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> it's like not a thick tree. It's kind of like, it's a little Because I did flimsy. some shows where I toured with some guys- like uh, me and Lucas Melendez and another guy. Oh, and I we... love Lucas Melendez. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't seen him in a long time. Me neither. Kind of had a so falling funny. out with him. Oh. But it's all right. Okay. N- not that okay. bad. <laughs> okay. He just got drunk and was stupid. And I was like, go fuck yourself. Oh, no. <laughs> but it doesn't diminish his talent. Quality, yeah. Yeah. I haven't seen him in a long time. <laughs> I think he's all right. But yeah, I feel like I might have done a show there. Like I did a few clubs. It was a while back. I, I somehow avoid Dallas, but I'm going this year. I'm going in a couple months. That's cool. Where are so, you going to go? Uh, hold on. Addison. Maybe. What is that? Majestic Theater. Oh, maybe that sounds fancy. I'm sure there's some new cool <laughs> venues to Majestic. Into. Oh, good. That's where I saw my first stand-up show ever. Who was that? Margaret Cho. Ah. It was so good. When was, was that? How old were you? 13. Really? Yeah. Someone took you to see Margaret Cho? My mom did, yeah. At 13? Yeah. That must have been a filthy head full. It was, but there was something about, <laughs> it's like me and my mom, it's like two women watching a woman that it, it I don't know, it's like kind of like taking your kid to like a spa or something, right. steam it room. Makes, well, it sounds like, like this you, is what bodies look like, like you kind of just right, deal. Right. Well, it sounds like your parents were pretty cool. They were. They so are. when so you're in Dallas, you're you're just going to school with your only childness. Yeah, I went to the weirdest the other school. Old, other chi- only other child. Yeah, their only child. Yes, we all went to the school that it was this really small school near my house. It was actually like a less than five minute drive from my house. Mm. And now looking back, it was kind of like it kind of had a homeschool vibe. It wasn't. It was like a real college preparatory school. But the like grades, a homeschool vibe, like you went to someone else's house to go to school. It, yes, it was a building, and there were real classrooms and everything. But yeah. there were only sixteen kids in my grade. How'd they find this school? I don't know. I guess because it was just in the neighborhood, uh-huh. and they wanted to put me in private school. Yeah, and so they did. And yeah. it was this teeny little school, and like. It's just, it was very homegrown. And we, like all my friends who went there, we all looked back and we're like, what was that? It's so strange. Yeah. Because it was just like, it was just so like, small and weird. Yeah. And like, yeah, it was just, it was so, I think, yeah, it was just weird that like there were just so few kids. Yeah. And so you're all like really, really close, which is great. But yeah. then in high school, I went to, um, uh, an arts magnet high school called Booker T. Washington. Oh, so and so where... I went to like a proper school. Uh, what's and, an like, arts magnet school? Um, it's where it's so the four sort of, they call them clusters, were visual art, theater, music, or dance. And you have to like be accepted in your choice category yeah. and then you can go, but you don't have to pay tuition. Oh, so did, what were you accepted into? Uh, visual. I went for like painting and drawing. and. You were a painter? He, yeah, not so much painting. Honestly, sculpting was my main the thing. Sculptor? Yeah, sculpting was my, my jam. In high school? Yeah, I loved it. Really? I don't do it at all anymore. Yeah. That's why really it seems like- it. And I like drawing. Sculptor. And I liked printmaking, which I didn't learn until What I kind of sculptures? Uh, Sculpting sculpture is hard. Yeah, uh, I mean, just hard to appreciate. Clay. I, I tried to get into like welding a little bit. They teach you that, but you're I, welding. I I tried. I don't I don't like fire. 
So in Cl- that way, I like kiln fire, not like sparks. So clay, fire. like figurative or just weird yeah, abstract I love, shit. Uh, no, f- like I did like figures, and I did like a bust of a friend's head. Oh, that's um, good. And then, but when I was like ten years old, I got very into. Do you remember like Fimo clay, like Fimo Sculpey? It's that like yeah. colored clay that yeah. you could buy adult at like Play-Doh. or whatever. Yeah, adult play doh, and you can yeah. bake it. So I was really into like making teeny little figurines in my house, mm-hmm. and uh, like super super detailed like I look back at some of the things I made and I'm like how did I even like shape an eyeball that small you were focused like, you were alone with yeah. no friends <laughs> <laughs> I, my friends got into the clay with me, which sure. is now looking back I'm like oh they probably didn't want to do that <laughs> but you wanted to be a sculptor yeah no, that's actually what I learned when I was there. I was like, I'm, I am good at this, and like I was, I felt proud to get yeah. into that school, right? Because there were some really, really talented people there. But um, about, I guess, around my junior year, I was just like, what am I gonna do with this? Because they started bringing in recruiters from like, <laughs> you know, SVA and yeah. RISD and all right. these places, and I was like, oh, the, a big art school. Yeah, yeah, they all came to our school, and they yeah. they like wanted to scoop us all up. Right, and um, I remember just being like, I don't think I want a career in like being commissioned to not that that's the only way to make money but I was kind of like it's hard what's to, the end game here like I just couldn't arts, see yeah, it sure so then I was like I think I want to get into acting so then like at the end of high school mm. I started doing more like theater and stuff yeah you're in plays yeah and you, I was did, in you, plays. did you switch over to so the, uh... this is psychotic I <laughs> my last so junior year mm. of my time at Arts Magnet, I kind of went through this weird phase where I was like, I'm getting a great arts education, but I feel like I'm slipping behind in academics. Mm. And so I ended up going back to the small school that I went to for, as a kid for just one year, my senior you year. Were in, what? Oh, they had a high school? Yes. That small place? Kindergarten through 12. Yeah. Oh, one of those. Yeah. Private, weird, hippie school. Exactly. Mm. So you you bailed on the art school because you decided, I should probably learn something practical. Yeah. I think I was feeling, which is so crazy because the education was fine at the Arts Magnet. It's oh, just yeah. like, there were some moments where I was Wait, like, oh. was it oh, too much pressure to, like you had for the, you know, to keep up with the acting or It was, it? no, it was actually more like I was reading books that I had read in like seventh grade at my other school mm. as a junior. And I was just kind of mm-hmm. like- I don't at feel the art like, school. Yeah, yeah. So you like, fe- okay. we were reading like I mean I don't remember specifically which yeah. books, but I just remember there were a couple where I'm like, oh, I read this when I was in middle school. Like, why am I reading this now as a junior in high school? Right. So you went back. I got really obsessive about that, and I went back for one year. And, and then you graduated. A, it was so dumb. Why I look was it back. Dumb? And, what do you mean? I don't know. It just feels like a quitter move. It's like just stick it out. It's one year, and like this if, is a if, great place with great if people. If that's one of your big regrets at this point, you're doing all right. Thanks. Like if that's one of the ones where like, oh, fuck, it is. A, it is. It makes me feel really go. good that you're saying that. Let it really it go. is. I still think about it. And I'm like, it's why over. did I do that? It's, it's over. It's behind you. <laughs> all right. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks for the support. So, like, where does comedy start? Where, where does that start to happen? Wait, yeah. I mean, but but wait. So you fi- you finished the high school and then you what? Yeah, you then go I, to college. Yeah, I went to college. I went to University of Texas in Austin. Oh, yeah. So was did you do anything? I I was a theater major and then I switched to TV and film and writing. So you were a theater major for a minute, and then you had for the a same minute. my grandmother same meltdown. shamed me. Yeah, I had a really judgmental grandma, and she said which one? To me, the Jewish one? Or Jewish the other one? one? Yeah. 
Where was she in New Jersey? Yeah, and she was visiting, and she said to me, "What you're really gonna put all of your eggs in the acting basket?" And I was like, "All right." So then I think like two weeks later, that's I not switched. quite shaming. That's just uh, fear and probably good advice. I know. But at the time, I was like, yeah. I mean, I listened. I was like, oh, she's right. Yeah. But then it all swung back the other way, and now I want to act, and I do act. So. <laughs> but, but, yeah, but it's not like, you, what are you going to get? What? So you went to TV production? I I was studying. I was studying. I was just kind of circling around the shit that I do now, but never landing on it. Like, mm. I feel like that was what college was. It was kind of like you're sort of it's like a puzzle and then you're kind of starting to assemble yeah. the pieces, but they don't actually make a puzzle with a clear image right. uh, until later. Yeah. So like I would like study, I studied animation a little bit and I studied screenwriting a little bit, but I was still performing on like my campus television. They had a show that was kind of like an entertainment news show that had a comedy slant. So I, I was for like just writing, school? yeah, for just the school. So I was right. like writing, like, and it was a live show. Yeah. So I was like writing monologues and stuff for that. And sure. like, I had my own little, I had something. I don't know. It honestly, might have been called Jamie's Corner, which is like the most only child name. But I had a segment where I just like talked about entertainment news in a funny way, and uh-huh. I had like you know my own two minutes. So on you're screen. doing, you're kind of right. So you were yeah. kind of learning about the business in a way. Yeah, writing, performing, producing television. At a school. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then doing animation randomly just because animation I with liked the drawing. Animation with female clay? No. I yeah. w- would have loved it because I love claymation? stop frame. I love claymation. I what love kind of animation? It. You were drawing? Yeah. I was doing it like the um, the hard way, like in Flash where it's like you truly draw every single frame. Uh-huh. Um, but this are... is just things you could do in college. Yeah. Yeah. It was just kind of like fucking around but trying to focus on well, yeah. trying to land on something that meant something to me yeah and then when i graduated college my first job out of college was working at comedy central i was working in their press department in new york mm-hmm. so wait so you moved to new york from texas yeah. um, because you got the job yes. i had interned in the city the summer before when i was still in school uh, not at comedy central i interned for a magazine what magazine it's called jane magazine i remember that one it was a still great around? magazine now it folded but it was really it was sort good. Of the cool, uh, kind of had a ni- nylon vibe before nylon. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. And uh, but I was like in f- the fashion department. Like I didn't know what the fuck I was. I did know what the fuck I was doing, but I just didn't have the language yeah. or the confidence. Or I, no, I just hadn't figured out exactly what I needed to be doing. But then, so it was kind of like whatever. I was like interning in New York, and then yeah. like you know, kind of doing some writing at school. But also doing animation, which I don't do anything with now. Like right. I was just kind of figuring it out. And then when I had the job well, that's at comedy, what it's for. yeah, it is. I mean, I did that in college. You try everything you want to do, and you did it like once or twice, or yeah. you get a sense of it. And it's that's a good way to use the time if you're not career driven. Yeah, right. You know, if you're a creative person, do as much creative shit as you can. So you, you know, at least you know. But I like was career driven. I just didn't you know what that be. career was. You were you were generally ambitious. But I was also like kind of a dork in that like I missed Texas like football games to work on my animation project and like I always joke that I like never did college right. I like what never you you, blacked out. I had a boyfriend all 4 years. You like m- you missed Kind of missed football. Y- yeah, what I do just, you mean? You're I a mean, football fan? No, I wasn't. But like that was the spirit of the school was like go to these mm. things and like I just kind of was like oh, I'm just kind of like working on my own stuff. But Austin was kind of a weirdo place it then, was. wasn't it? Yeah, it's like this juxtaposition. Of, well, you, had, like, you had one boyfriend for four years, and then when you moved to New York, you dumped him. 
It wasn't a it wasn't a blatant dumping. It was a fizzle. It was like he's in Austin. I'm in uh. New York. We saw each other a couple times, and then he got a girlfriend, and I was like devastated because he was kind of like my rock. Oh really? Yeah. But where'd then that guy end up? He lives in New York with his new girlfriend. The third one or fourth one or whatever. Yeah, mm. maybe third. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, wait, what were we talking about? So you go to New York and oh, you yeah. get, because you interned at the magazine, which was, you know, you're still in the the zone of like kind of entertainment and yeah. coolness. Uh, yeah. And again, then you end up c- Comedy circling. Central. Who are you working for at Comedy Central? Um, well, I was working in the press department with Amy Miller and oh, yeah. Aileen Boudot, mm. um, who I believe is still there. I'm not yeah. sure. Um, and then, yeah, it was it was a really- Not doing comedy though yet. Not doing comedy, but again, like big comedy fan, watched a lot of comedy in college. Like it was, I was like, oh, I work at Comedy Central. I didn't even know what publicity was. What fucking year is this? This was in <clears throat> 2006. What? Yeah. So you've been doing comedy like 10 minutes? <laughs> it doesn't feel like 10 minutes, but I appreciate that you think it's only been 10 minutes. <laughs> I'm like, it's 2019. What are you doing here? (laughs) No, I, but I didn't start stand up right away. I just, so actually it's, it's kind of funny. I, I was the publicist. That feels like a very loaded term for what I actually did, but I was the department assistant. And then I was also sort of given the task of handling publicity for all stand up in the network because the main focus at the time when I started was like, getting the Dave Chappelle show back on track and like Daily Show and South Park. Like there were these big, big things that most publicity energy was sort of given to. So what what did you have to do exactly? So I actually was at, I think I was at your Comedy Central Presents. I went to all the Presents tapings just to like make sure everything was okay. Which one? Like the 2006 one? Yeah. With the sheep and the politics? Yeah. Yeah. The sheep and the politics. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, I went to like Live at Gotham tapings, Premium Blend, so you were like the Comedy Central girl. I was the girl. Uh-huh. Yeah. I was just like hanging out. So I probably met you. This probably. Is, I'm Jamie from Comedy Central. <laughs> yeah. I'm in, you know, I try I, to like not bother people. Bullshit. Because I also felt, Come I just, on. I know at that time I was just like, you guys were so busy. I was just like, oh, I'll just like sling back. Like I don't, uh-huh. what do I, Yeah. what do I do? You were helping out. Yeah, But what did, what did you do? Um. Well- on a daily basis, I did a lot of like press mailings. So, mm. like, if a new show came out, I made sure to like get the oh, right. advance copies to everybody in the Got press. It. And I went to TCAs and um, out here. I think I, I handled the, the website. TCAs out I, in Pasadena. Yes. Uh huh. Um, yeah, I, I handled like the they redid their website while I was there. So I was so like, you were in almost of like going to be a publicist. It's weird to hear that. I mean, I knew pretty quickly this was not for me. Yeah. Um, and I knew that because I felt like I was terrible at my job. That's talk about regrets. Uh-huh. That's a big regret of mine. Is like another I regret. So, I was a shitty assistant. A shitty publicist assistant who yeah. gives a fuck. I know, but I feel bad. Get over it. Okay. You're gonna let this stuff go. Okay. You know, don't worry about going back to the other school. Okay. And, uh, you know, you're a shitty publicist assistant. Well, you know, that's why you're not a publicist now. I was now. so selfish. What do, you, what do you mean? Like, I would just, like, I would just sit there and, like, think about my own stuff of, like, what what am I going to... Well, what do you think everyone does I at jobs they don't like? I, especially when right out of college. I need to be, I need to be easier on myself, right? Why are you so hard on yourself for? I don't know, because it's just, like, you're responsible for so many people, and, like, I was always getting in trouble, and I was like, I'm just like, bad at this. what kind of this. trouble? 
I just felt like I was like, I don't know. I would like fuck up mailings or like, yeah. I would like, like, I remember I, I always had to like write um, press releases yeah. and uh, I, w- you're supposed to turn them in on Fridays and I'd yeah. get in Monday and I like hadn't written it and I would just like throw something together last minute. So you didn't want to do that. I know. So what happened? So how do you like all of a sudden decide, you know, comedy thing? Cause I knew another, uh, you know, Jesse Klein used to be an executive. That of always, some kind. That always gave me a lot of comfort. I was like, okay, I'm not the only person who's that like- jumped to the other side. Yeah, exactly. It's suspect. <laughs> it's all, I've always found it suspect, but you know, Jessie's great. She's done yeah. a lot of great stuff and I don't know why, but you know, when I when you're coming up and you see somebody who's like, yeah, I'm in publicity, I'm the Comedy Central, and then they're, do, they're doing stand-up, I'm like, yeah, it seems like you're cheating. But <laughs> I mean, I think, oh man, I'm like, I sh- wish I hadn't worked at Comedy Central. I wish I had worked somewhere else. Why? Did you get flack for it? No, it's just like it started to get to a point where so I had a a roommate at the time who was taking improv classes at UCB and somehow she found a flyer or something for stand up classes at Caroline's. Oh, yeah. Who's teaching that? Linda Smith. Oh, she's great. She's hysterical. She's great. I started with her in Boston a million years ago. We did comedy in Boston. I think she was doing it when I was in college. So. Like when I when I did stand up, like the first time I was really doing stand up was I was still in college. It was like the mid eighties. I think she's yeah. That's where I met her. Cool. She's funny. Yeah. Yeah. She's, well, she's best friends with Lewis. Yes. Yeah. Yes. All right. And so okay. She's so you, like funny and warm. And you get the flyer. Got the flyer. And, and you did went. the class. Yeah. Although it was funny because uh, early on they told us don't go to any open mics. Like it'll crush your soul. You'll wait a long time. Mm-hmm. Don't do it. Only do bringer shows at Caroline's. Wow. And I was like, I, I was like, oh, okay. And then my my aunt, my that aunt was alternative, alternative, alternative motive there. E, oh, totally. Yeah, but they, yeah. but I didn't know yeah, that at the time. Right. I didn't know until way later. I was yeah. like, oh, that's why they told us not yeah. to do open mics. It had nothing to do with like our well being. No, they want to sell some drinks. Exactly. What so, about your aunt? So then my aunt, um, my aunt Debbie by marriage, uh, she has a cousin who was doing stand-up at the time in the city and he invited me to an open mic probably like two classes into Who's that my guy? Carol- um his name's matt is he still doing it a little bit not really hmm. um but he so anyways he was like come do this uh i think it was at the village lantern maybe mm-hmm. some club in the west village or yeah whatever village bar, Gate? bar with a back room oh yeah. I oh, know. I know. Where the, yeah, yeah. It's Maybe like the on, No, it's like on Bleecker Street. Yeah, yeah. So he was downstairs. Like, yeah. So he's yeah. like, "Come with me." And I didn't go on until probably one thirty in the morning, and I had work the next day. And I remember it. Welcome not, to the life. I know, and it didn't. It, it, I mean, looking back, I cringed to watch those two minutes, but yeah. I was like, "Oh, that wasn't horrible." I mean, I didn't love it, but yeah. I definitely liked it enough to want to do it again. Yeah. And then I got kind of like. Yeah, I don't know. And then I just, I also was DJing at the time. Um, I was DJing with um, these two friends of mine. We had a group called Fleet Week. What is that? We just DJed at bars and we actually were making really good money and getting really consistent gigs at like the Delancey and this place called Lit, which I don't think is there anymore. So you're like mix, you're like, uh, you're dealing with all areas of entertainment. Right. But the, but so the, the DJ thing, I yeah. think it came from the same place. The st- I think I knew I wanted to be doing stand up, but I, 
um, was just like, oh, this is another like activity that like gives you attention and mm-hmm. like it's at night. But then when I realized I wanted to be doing stand up, I completely stopped DJing because they're both nighttime jobs. So did you start hitting the stand up pretty hard or yes, what? Yes, behind my behind Linda Smith's back, I was doing a lot of open mics. Right. So like, a what lot. was the, and you were still working at Comedy Central? Yes, and it was starting to. I think it was just, it started to feel like a conflict of interest kind of quickly for me. And like, where, like, so where does it end up? So you're doing like this, you're, the scene that you came up in is different than the one I came up in. So like, um, you're doing a lot of these open mics, you're writing material, you're what, doing like the alternative rooms, Brooklyn and that kind of shit? Yeah. Not so much Brooklyn, a lot of East Village. And who, Oh, really? So yeah. who are the, who are the, your contemporaries that I would know? Mike Lawrence. Oh yeah. I Dan love Mike. St. Germain. Oh Yeah. Uh, Mark Norman. Okay. Those were my main ones that I saw pretty much every day at open mics, multiple open mics. Yeah, Dan must have been exciting. I love Dan. <laughs> He's doing all right. Yeah. But I, yeah, we, and then I'm trying to think who else. A lot of people yeah, I who love don't. Mike. Mike's open for me. He used to open for me occasionally. He's very funny. He's excellent. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so they were all starting out when you were coming up? Yeah. So we really like grinded it out together in that. I would leave work. This is also how I'm at, how I was a bad assistant. I would like leave work kind of early just to like do the sign up. Yeah. Sometimes you could get a friend to sign you up, but a lot of times you're like, they would start to resent you for that. So you're like, I got to actually like be there. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I would just like do like three open mics in a night. Yeah. And then slowly start booking booked shows. I like, guess. Right? Yeah. like what? Uh, Cabin was a big one for oh, us. Oh, out in uh, Long Island City? No. Oh, it no, was wait. in the East Village. Sean Patton. Sean Patton's show, yeah. yeah. He was like just such a like lovely friend to me when I was starting out. Because I just doing? he's I, he's doing well. I haven't seen him in a while because I, I think either. he lives in New York. Uh huh. But I saw him when I was there, and he's at the cellar, and yeah, I think he's he's doing well. So you're doing cabin. You're doing like did yeah, you break? That in? was a big one to yeah. get on. I remember being like, oh, I booked cabin. Like uh-huh. this is it. Yeah. Yeah. And how much time did you have at that time? Probably ten minutes. How much time you got now? Like ten minutes. <laughs> But it's really polished. It's, uh, it's, it's really so good. different. It's Such so a different. Tight Ten. No, but now, yeah, no. We headlining, baby. We're doing it. Yeah. Yeah. You go out there. Yeah. Well, I had to cancel some dates recently, which For I was this, really to bummed do the about. Podcast? Yeah, I cleared my <laughs> sketch. <laughs> so you're coming up in New York. So you work at this hour now. Yes. You kind of you broke the scene. Yeah, it's kind of crazy because I actually, I I didn't so. When I was living in New York, the people that I started with, like Mike and everybody, like we, we, uh, we weren't in at the cellar. It was at least, I don't know if Mike would feel this way, but I was like, oh, that's like a distant, that's like a pipe dream. Like, I don't know if I'll ever break in there. It's like a mainstream club. Like, you know, there's definitely, there's definitely a line drawn between whatever the alt scene was and whoever comes out of it and then eventually breaking into the cellar, which is still fundamentally a mainstream comedy club it doesn't indulge much bullshit yeah and like my like i moved out here to la right when my class started getting passed there so i why? kind of missed this window i don't know it's just a timing thing i just kind of happened oh why did i move out here i moved out here for a writing job um like in 2014 but that was kind of around the time that on what um on the pete holmes show Oh, you moved out here to do that? Yes. Now, okay, so let's, wait, but didn't you do some other thing? Mm. Some MTV thing? Yeah. Oh, I was on Girl Code, yeah. 
but that was younger, right? That, no, uh, Girl Code was actually actually happening concurrently. To you much. coming up as a stand-up or what? Um, it was like, I was basically like stand-up. Then I did Last Comic Standing. That was kind of like my first TV thing. I did two episodes of that. I, you, I made it to the semifinals. Oh, that's pretty good. And that was exciting. And then I started kind of doing colleges. So you hammer away. You do the open mics. You yes. go on a cabin. And then you you audition for a Last Comic. Correct. And you and Pete, like, did, you were dating, right? We We had broken up at that point. When did you like? But he's a little older than you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Definitely. He, um, we dated for like less than a year. Yeah, because yeah. I can't remember what's public information, what's private information. No, that's, that's fine. Yeah. Or what I heard about, like, because I remember you dated for less than a year. Mm-hmm. We and, dated for less than a year when Holmes. I was maybe like two years. That, that sounds. Stand-up. That sounds like a lot to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of it's weird because it's like I don't want to be mean to Pete, but like he's a what you know. Well, also when I, <laughs> how, how, I don't even know how to respond. You don't have um, to. But I, I don't talk smack on this show no. too often. I'm going to let you do it. Okay. Um, no, but it was you know I think it was difficult for me because I was new to stand up and I was so excited to just find people I connected with yeah. and like have that sort of feeling like oh we're all family and we all right. get each other and we don't have to explain each other to each other and uh so yeah so i met pete he was definitely more um seasoned than i was right. at the time but still kind of in this like yeah, we were on not, shows together he's not and, that much older than you is he mm, like five years yeah yeah right, right right so yeah i yeah so we were whatever so we were just like we, we started dating and then it kind of just became clear, like I need to be doing my thing, and um, he needs to be doing his. But the cool thing is that because we kind we broke up, and then he moved to Los Angeles. Yeah. I was still in New York, right? And then we had this project that we had worked on when we were dating. Um, it was a parody of Nineteen Kids and Counting, that show on TLC, um, called Kid Farm. Yeah, and. And it ended up getting picked up to like be a web series on Comedy Central. Yeah. And so we came back together to work on that together. Right. And then it kind of just seamlessly became like, oh, we're like work partners. We can do that. Yeah. Yeah. Like the relationship was good, but it wasn't the relationship for either of us. Yeah. And now we're able to just kind of function in a career capacity, which has been great. That's nice. I can't imagine doing that with any of the women I've dated in my life. I it is pretty. I don't have it with anybody else that I've dated where uh-huh. I'm like I'm buds. working with them or even yeah even buds really. I mean not it's not like You're it's not, not tense. It's just like yeah. no neither of us are putting in an effort. And when did com- that last comic standing happen? Um, that happened around 2000. That was like right after Pete and I broke up, like 2009 or so. 10. That was like so. That's a big break though. That's when you start doing the work, right? It felt like a really big break because yeah. yeah, my mom was visiting. And uh, I was like, I, you know, she's like, okay, I'm going to go like walk around Soho while you like do your little audition. She wasn't that patronizing, but it was that vibe of like, yeah, I'm just going to like go try to be on this show. And I did two minutes in front of Natasha Leggero and Greg Giraldo and Andy Kindler. They were the judges. Oh, Greg. And it was really fun. It was at Gotham. The auditions were at Gotham, which is like kind of, I love that club. I don't know. It's just a The old Gotham or the new Gotham? yeah the Same one yeah one? so you didn't the... know the original one no yeah where was that 
where was it? Maybe twenty second or something. It was a smaller room. I, okay. I I've only done the new one a couple of times. It seems very wide and weird. It is wide, but when it's good, it's really good. And like they were it's such a hot room. Yeah, and they were just such nice judges. Like they that I mean I think there were some other seasons that were a little more cutthroat, and the energy was kind of like. Like, you know, you're going to win or lose. Like, it kind of had that game show energy, but that was not the season I was on. It was very supportive. And so cool. after that, you had you put together your hour and you started doing the yeah, clubs and colleges? Yeah, started doing colleges, yeah. And then, a, like, two years later was Girl Code. I auditioned for that and got that. What is that? that? I've never seen it. Yeah, um, so it was a show that was on MTV. It was a Talking Heads show with an all-female oh. cast, and we all basically were just doing stand-up on TV. But you did a lot of those. Right? Yeah. Yeah, it was five seasons. Jesus. And it was really, it was. It felt really special. Union gig? No. Mm. No. Um, but it was like paying my rent and- In New York. Yeah, I didn't feel poor anymore. So I you're mean, doing now colleges I would feel and poor do, if that were my salary, <laughs> but right. at the time I was like, killing so do, it. Right. So you're doing that, you're doing stand-up, and then Pete says, come right on this show. Yeah. Now, wasn't there a thing, though, where- you you were his girlfriend, and but you wanted to play his girlfriend, but you didn't get to, no, or something. No, wait, what? I don't know. I, I don't. Oh, wait. You mean crashing? Yeah. Oh, so crashing, <laughs> <laughs> crashing. Uh, the way that happened. So I was writing on crashing. I was writing it on writing on it on the first season, and then second season they were like, okay, well, there's there's probably going to be like a girl comedian that Pete hangs out with. Right. And I was like, oh, that sounds interesting to me. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, yeah, I kind of was like pitching myself for it. And they're like, we don't think you're right for it. It's not the right energy we're looking for. And so I was like, okay. And then I kind of just like, whatever, hung back. And I was like, it's just not, it's not my role. It's fine. Did you talk to Pete? Not really. Hmm. Yeah, I I don't like that character was not it, that relationship was not built on our relationship, yeah. and I I make that clear only because it's like the process to get that role was such a process. Like I, they truly were auditioning every person in comedy, yeah. actress, h- huge names. Like they were doing a full wide search, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and so I wasn't even allowed. Not I don't want to say allowed, but I I wasn't being considered to audition for it. And then last minute, Pete was like, oh, yeah, you know, we're going to bring you in. And I was like, oh, OK, cool. And by that time, I was content writing on the show yeah. and kind of had made peace with the fact that, like, this is just not my part. Right. So when I went in, I think that because I was in that headspace, I had a really great audition yeah. and had a lot of fun. And uh, then I didn't hear anything for two weeks. <laughs> yeah. And I uh, showed up at work because we're still in the writing offices yeah. in New York. And everyone was being really weird to me. Like, I don't know. I just like felt it. I was like, what? And I, and I was like, oh my God, it's because I didn't get it. And yeah. they don't, they feel bad for me. Oh. And then- um, Who got it? I texted my manager. Yeah. Yeah. I texted my manager and I was just like, <laughs> I was like, what's going on? I don't, like, have you heard anything? Yeah. What, and then it turns out the reason they were being weird is because I got the part. You got the part. Yeah, I got the part. <laughs> and this, But like, how come I've watched some of them? Like, I know, I watched the last season, I yeah. think- when you guys are kind of like make or you know it's weird, but you guys make up. Yeah, we're like friends in the in the last season. So this was the second season, mostly. The second season. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you got the part. Yeah, I got the part. It As was the, crazy. You got, you got to be Pete's girlfriend again. Oh my god! Please don't put it like that. <laughs> are, are you married at that point yet? Yeah. You are. Yeah. When did you get married? I got married almost three years ago. 
And then you like, and then you. So all right, so you're writing on Pete's show. You write your wedding book. Yeah, I, I wrote a book called Ridiculous: An Unfiltered Guide to Being a Bride. Just being a, a snarky, you know, take it down a notch. The whole. I mean, yeah, I don't know, snark, sure, but like it was more just that when I was getting married, I felt like all the materials that were available yeah. to brides, uh, they were all so. I don't know. They all felt really fake to me and they all felt really fear-based. It was like, oh, if you don't do X, Y, and Z, your wedding's going to be a failure. It's just, well, it's just like this habit. There's a whole industry that it has a lot of sway on how it's supposed to go. I mean, I had a big yeah. wedding and I've had a small wedding. Neither of the fucking marriages worked out. So, <laughs> but I know, you know, I know what both of those are like. I know what a big wedding is like and what the pressure yeah. is. So you just needed to just kind wanna- of- yeah. Make it more accessible and like try to show what's really necessary and what isn't to have a good time. Yeah, and also like, um, yeah, also just making sure that like people didn't feel alone because I thought that when I was getting married, it was it was particularly like isolating and alienating mm. that every person was saying to me like, oh my god, this is the most special time of your life. This is the most exciting time of your life. And I was like, then, like, why am I fighting with my fiance so much? And like, why do I feel like weird towards like my parents and his parents? And like, I don't know. I was like, things just feel so sad and and angry. Uh-huh. And um, and then the more people I talked to were like, yeah, we also felt that, but no one's really talking about that. You're like almost not allowed to. So I want. How is it the best day of your life? It's a fucking nightmare. I know. I call it your medium day. Yeah. Yeah. It's not the best day of your life. It's it's a Stressful. nice day, but it's very it's like a production. Is your is he in show business? He's a comic, yeah. right? You guys used to do that's right. They you did the Oh, thing we have a show together. together. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Still we do, do a month yeah, monthly show. Yeah, at at UCB called Date Night. And he's a stand up? Yes. What's he, his name again? He started doing stand up more recently, yeah. Uh-huh. Dan Black. Uh-huh. Yeah. Where'd you meet that guy? Uh, on a podcast. Oh yeah, yeah. We uh, we were both on a podcast. He was uh, he came on in character, uh-huh. and I was just like whatever myself. And uh, his character was very very funny. And uh-huh. I just kind of had a moment where I was like, "How have I never met this person?" Yeah, they're like truly the funniest person. So now you're a show business couple. Oh yeah, how's that going? Power couple. It's good. I mean, like my you What's know. What's he doing? He well, he also has a podcast, and he like books a lot of commercials and stuff. So uh-huh. he's like more. He's like sort of in that UCB acting realm. Is it good? Is what good? Being with a a performer? Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 good. It's mostly good, mm-hmm. I would say. But I think my big issue with marriage in general is like I like I've said like my parents have a bizarre. They have a bizarre marriage. Yeah, your dad sleeps in a closet. Yeah, and I just in general don't, I don't really know. It's weird. I have like two extremes in my life. I have like my parents' dad sleeps in a closet and then I have like my grandparents who had like the most beautiful love until my grandmother died three years ago. And then my aunt and uncle have been together since high school and they're super into each other still. So I kind of don't know what like the gray area looks like. I have two extremes. So I'm always trying to navigate that. Yeah. It's good. But I just sometimes I'm like, am I built for this? I don't know. (laughs) I don't know what's real. Who does... Who knows Trying to what's figure real? It out. Yeah, it's it's interesting. So when, uh, but you guys don't, you're not competitive or sort of like. No, he's super supportive. That's good. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Not competitive. There have been times like 
when we were getting- I, Obviously, you're not going up for the same things, but no. I just mean in terms of like sometimes when someone's working and someone isn't, it gets a little gnarly. Yeah, like when he started doing stand-up, I mean, he would he would admit this too, like- I think, you know, when we first started dating, he wasn't doing stand-up. Mm. And that was kind of like, he was like the improv guy and I was a stand-up person. So we had like commonalities in that we're both doing comedy, but yeah. we're not doing the same thing yeah. and, and associating with the same people. Right. So when he started doing stand-up, I definitely was like, oh, that's like my world. Yeah. So it's like an adjustment where it's like, I still like, I have to be supportive and not like weird about it. Like sometimes I get weird because I'm like, I... There's, it's almost like I'm, I'm a baby and I have to take care of the baby. And now it's like, oh, we have a second stand up baby now right. that we have to yeah. nurture. And it's a lot. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, your face. <laughs> no, sir. Right. Yeah, I mean, I, no, I, I, my, my second wife was a stand up, but she's not a stand up anymore. She's gone. So, all right. So you write on Crashing for three seasons. You act on two of them. The writing experience was good, and you know, everything. The relationships all stayed pretty good. Now, yeah. you, you, I, yeah, I guess they're not picking it up. They're not. Was that? Was that? Did you guys know that was coming? I didn't. Um, Pete had said it, something about how he was like, I don't know if we're getting a fourth season, but we actually did a brainstorm room to kind of map out what a fourth season might look like. Yeah, and it was really fun. So I was kind of bummed to not be able to carry out that vision so it was a surprise yeah it was um but now i'm like oh well it was really expensive to make and you don't don't, know how many people were watching it yeah i don't have that information do you do you find that when you go on the road now people know you yes which i love and people really really loved that character in a way that makes me it's just nice because it's like you know it's it's kind of like like i think about like with your role on glow i'm like not only is that, I mean, Glow is like such a phenomenal show just in general, but yeah. then it's also like, that's such a cool character you get to play. <laughs> like he has depth mm. and like, I don't know, he like, he resonates. Yeah. I, I feel like I was happy that I feel like that was that character. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I really do. I'm really like proud to have played her. Yeah. So now what are you doing? Club dates? Why'd you have to cancel some dates? Oh, just, uh, just to, I had like uh potential. There was like a thing that might, it, I don't know, a, a thing popped up and it was was like oh you might like book this thing so you can't leave oh. so that was what happened so i had to cancel a couple dates but i'm gonna reschedule them but what soon. are you doing you doing like weekends at clubs or are you doing just one-offs yeah at weekends what's... at clubs oh yeah mm-hmm. yeah you draw pretty good yeah it's been really good since crashing it's it's been i mean like girl code was helpful but crashing i feel like has been even more helpful people uh-huh. really like yeah the people who love that show like love that show what crashing yeah yeah, but I guess that's every show. The people who love it just love what it. What kind of people are they? How do you they're generalize? Pretty, they're pretty, I mean, a lot of them are just comedy fans. Right. A lot of them are Pete fans. Yeah. And then a lot of them are Judd fans. Like, hmm. they kind of follow his his whole trajectory. So what happens now, though? Like, you know, so now you get you, you get cut loose from a show. Yeah. And what are you, developing your own stuff? Are yeah. Are you looking for, yeah, you are? Yeah, I have a pilot with Freeform that I wrote. I don't for... even know what that is. <laughs> it's a network. Okay. Um, it used to be ABC Family, but now they're like oh. edgier. Yeah. So I Freeform. Yeah. No more families. No. Whatever, um, man. Fuck the families. Yeah. We're free. Yeah. But yeah, so I wrote this script that I was working on for like truly two and a half years um, called The Girlfriend, and that's I'm working on that right now. And then um, I have a show based so on you my- you got a development deal with them? Is that yeah. it? Okay. Mm-hmm. So they're like, here's some money. Let's, we like this idea. Fix it. Yes. 
Right. Yeah. So I had a script, did like two pretty major rewrites, and now I'm waiting to hear about things. Yeah. And what uh, what what else were you going to say? And then, oh yeah, I have a show that I'm developing based on my book. On the what? What? what wid- yeah, ridiculous. Wid- ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone calls it what delicious. That font. It really fucked me. It really? looks like Wetalicious. Yeah, you're, everyone says that. Really? Like, yeah, everyone says Wetalicious, and I'm like, it's ridiculous. I mean, it's a fake word regardless, but right. still, I'm like, I should have had a clearer So how does that, how does that jump to a book, a, a, a show? Like, it's a weekly thing. You you, you do, like, uh, like, one chapter of the book as a sort of um, out-in-the-world show? Kind of. I, I Well, I think it's going to be with the streaming service, which I don't think I'm allowed to talk about, but... Um, I think it's going to be kind of like cool, a queer eye vibe but for right. weddings. So right. it's going to be like funny, but also helpful. Are you going to be on it? Yes. And you're going to bring host some it. other people? Yeah, I'm going to host it. We've already cast the couples. So we've, we're going it, to, it'll be, it'll be an hour oh, long. Oh, I see. You walk through this I, shit with the couples. Exactly. I like help them. Is there a dude involved for the dude? Uh, Do you know what I mean? Like, so you're dealing with a, 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 a groom and a, Oh yes, so mostly too. mostly bride focused, but yeah, we uh, we handle the couple for sure. Yeah, especially if like they're arguing or anything, I want to get in there. You want to make sure get you... in the weeds and oh yeah, yeah, make some funny. Like, what's going on? Make what's it going on, you guys? Yeah, uh, one of those shows. Well, I just think that like yeah, like I was saying, I think that it can get really tense around weddings, and um, I think people feel like a lot of shame. You know, like mm-hmm. they're like, oh, well, if we were more solid, we wouldn't be fighting. And it's like, no, the wedding brings that out in people. I just remember when I got married at the big wedding, you know, it was like a big thing about the food and that like I wanted a certain type of food or wanted them to do it. But you don't what you don't realize it's like, you know, whatever your special role request is, it's just wedding food. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, they'll accommodate you, but it's not going to be amazing. No, I always say that, like. I think it's it's great if the food is great at your wedding. That's wonderful. Um, but I think quantity is actually more important because I think when people go to weddings, they uh, there's a, there's a sense like your guests kind of feel like they're sort of trapped on a deserted island and yeah. they're fending for themselves because they're kind of out of their comfort zone and they don't necessarily know anyone there. Right. And you have to stay because yeah. if you leave, you're an asshole. Yeah. So like you need to make sure your guests are just like very nourished because I think that the worst thing is if like you get a tiny piece of steak and like three little carrots. And you got, you got a whole another two or three hours. Yeah. You got to dance. And, and it's also like don't give me a lot of food because I require a lot of food. Give me food because I need to like emotionally eat my way through the next five hours. (laughs) Yeah, this sad event that I'm forced to go to. Exactly. I was told, uh, someone told my brother, I don't know where I heard it, that on your wedding day, you should should hold hands with your bride or your groom Mm -hmm. always. Right, so you have the same experience and not like separate experiences. Yeah, I think that's hard. Just (laughs) hold hands. The whole time? The whole time. Where are you? What? That sounds yeah, it's terrible. Just like all of it's just sort of like, now we're going to smash the cake in the face. And like, what is it? It's like a fucking charade. The smashing the cake, I mean, that is a hard no for me. Like, I spent four hours you getting my makeup cake? done. No, we, we, we fed. We gently fed. <laughs> Did you do it? Is he Jewish? Yes. Did you do Jew wedding? Jew wedding? Yes. <laughs> Why do you say it like because that? Because <laughs> it was... It was. I guess you're theoretically Jewish. Yeah, but when you grow up in Texas, it doesn't Texas look. Jews. But it doesn't look the same. At least my experience was not the same. Like I did not grow up with a lot of traditions. My family's not religious. My yeah. dad was raised like loosely Baptist. Yeah. So to my my husband's from Long Island, and like 
Oh, ju- so it's real it, juice. It's stuff. real. Yeah. So what I town? was. Um, he's from Roslyn Heights. Uh-huh. Yeah. So kind of near Nassau, Nassau County. How long has it been in the Nassau marriage? County. Um, we've been married almost three years at the end of this month. Three. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so three. The three to four. That's a rough one. Well, if you get through the three to four, you can make it. For oh, okay. Is that a thing? <laughs> It was for me. Okay, okay, great. <laughs> I, I didn't make it through three. Either time. You're doing great. This house uh, is beautiful. You're killing it. I'm all right. You're all right. Yeah, I and mean, a lot of things. There's some good things going on. <laughs> um, all right, so what are, we, what are we looking for now from you? What happens? Ooh. We're not really promoting anything, are we? We know what you're, you're up to, and you can get the book. Yeah. And you can watch you on Crashing, yeah. but that's sadly over. I have a podcast that's going to be about sex in the city called Couldn't Help But Wonder, and I'm doing it with my friend Rose Cerno. What is it about? What does that mean, sex we're, in the city? We're going Where? through like the whole series. We're starting from the first episode. And uh, it's like that show was on 20 years ago, so we're kind of discussing like such a lady. the cultural such relevance. such a girl lady. I am, but like- the, like the new version of the is girl impor- lady. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Is it important to you? Are you excited about the Sex in the City? Thing? I am. Yeah, I'm really excited. Because you haven't watched it in 20 years? Yeah. Well, I've watched it since, but it's fun to like kind of talk about like what parts are still relevant or mm. um, yeah, just kind of how it applies to now. Okay. Yeah. That sounds good. And you're going to be touring and whatever. Yeah. Do you feel good about what's happened here? I loved it. I did. <laughs> I'll talk to you later. Okay, bye. That was Jamie Lee. Go listen to her podcast, Couldn't Help But Wonder, available wherever you get your podcasts. Also, all my tour dates are at wtfpod.com slash tour. And if you're interested, if the movie Sword of Trust is screening near you, go to swordoftrust.com to get the full rundown of where it's playing. It opens next week. I'll be in New York at the 92nd Street Y with Lynn Shelton and my friend Sam Lipsight moderating a Q&A, and it's opening around the country. So go look for those dates, people, will you? So now, I believe, um, I will play some, uh, some distorted nice guitar for you. Boomer lives. Boomer.